Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome to Besties Two Sisters. Yeah. Okay, and it is Aline and Jadrian. And we like have a special treat tonight. I'm so excited because we have the one, the, the only. only. He not the only though. His name is super common. <laughs> <laughs> but how you mess up somebody <laughs> intro like that? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, B hey, We gotta be friends now. You See, he just jumped right in, y'all. <laughs> so we have the one, the only. B. Taylor from Conversations and Situations. Conversations and Situations. And we definitely going to have a lot of that tonight. Mm-hmm. So our episode for tonight is Toxic Ships. Mm. And the reason why we're saying Toxic Ships is because this legit is going to be a seven-part series. We'll be going into... Toxic parental um ships, toxic friendships, toxic business ships, and so much more. So we are excited to have B Taylor with us tonight. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm glad y'all so nice about it and shit. Not nice. Kind of treatment from New Yorkers, so I'm ready. Wow. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, he be digging at Geminis and digging at New Yorkers, but you know. Here he is. Here he is. I, I, I'm kind of scared of y'all, though, being honest, though. I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna bring up the conversation one earlier, though, but y'all really had me afraid today to say a sapiosexual. I'd rather stick with the regular uh, 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 goofies. Cause I know you lying. I, that's first of all, he just saying he just saying that he's saying that for the people. He don't even believe that himself. You made a man cry. You made two men cry. Who? Who? Why you put you on Front Street like that? Not me. Hey, y'all know the things I got. Hey, y'all heard my podcast, so y'all already know. Oh my gosh! No, I didn't. I didn't. I don't make people cry. He walking around in the rain like Orange Juice Jones, no snotty, <laughs> crying in the rain. Yeah, you made a man cry. So mm. I don't need a woman that's gonna make me cry right now. So I gotta build mm. up to some women. Oh, young, you strong. You, you are right. So I gotta build up. You know. You strong. Mm-mm-mm. Well, tonight we are talking about toxic relationships with parents. Mm. Um, and the foundation that's laid. So always, 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 we're going to let our guests go first because we definitely want our guests to talk about his, um, relationship with his mother and how he feels it was toxic, um, and how it led him to where he is today. Hey, so listen, so listen, the thing of it is I was thinking about it and I think too, and that's the reason why I got like poor communication skills when it comes to like really listening to women and really saying what I really mean versus saying what's gonna be cool to hear for them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, growing up in the South, um, most times, like if you were a child, you've seen and not heard. And yeah. they kind of carry that on for like for years. And so they go from being seen and not heard to not getting the dog conversation to not really talking about. Um, talk about real stuff with, when, when it comes to like being a teenager. Like, I didn't have the sex talk. I had to don't go ahead, go ahead, and make no babies, you know. Or my dad telling me, um, if you get a kid, um, go do the money order thing so child support won't bite you in the ass, shit like that. And I'm like, 
Why you ain't telling me like don't do that? Why you ain't telling me? Why you ain't telling me like settle down and get married then have a kid first? I never heard. Um, I never heard it like that. It was always um, what you don't do and not how to properly do it. And I think a lot of times, like parents don't really have uh, the words to use to express how they feel or to get a point across because they kind of like just caught in like the rush of uh, keeping their sanity and providing and dealing with the outside world and trying to be human and be a parent, all that shit wrapped in one. So a lot of times shit just get overlooked. So um, there was a, there was, there was a still maybe st- it's kind of sort of is an issue now. Uh, we can talk a little now, but a lot of the conversation is kind of sensitive because um, not even the fact that her being a mama and feel like she's doing it wrong. Um, women are always hear women say it's not it's not the fact that you said uh, whatever whatever it's how you said said it and how you made me feel. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I try to consider like um, how I sound. And regardless of how I sound, how she might feel. So in them cases, I don't, I just withhold information. I don't call it lying, but it just, I don't, I don't know. Kind of like from on the opposite side where parents didn't know the words to use. So they didn't understand um, how to get, how to get their point across. So I'm in the, I'm in the same seat from the opposite side of the table, not knowing how to um, express to my mother, like, you did a good job, but um, some of your faults that I knew about um, made me see women in a in a crazy way. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I definitely could see that. So some of the things that um, so first of all, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. You don't, it doesn't come with, yeah, parenting doesn't come with a handbook. We don't have guidelines. There's no rule book. And, um, the three of us are all parents. So we each know that there are times when you don't, you're not perfect. You don't know what to do and you're winging it and you're trying to figure it out. And you get it wrong. Exactly. (laughs) And then I saw something earlier that said being a mother is a selfless act, but you know, regardless, I think being a parent in general for fathers too, it is a selfless act. You make a huge sacrifice to take on the care of another human being who's an individual on their own. They're their own separate entity. They're not like you or they're not like me. They literally came to this earth with their own assets, their own purpose. And you don't necessarily know that. So you have to figure it out. Um, And then with that being said, with, you know, not knowing or not having the navigation to parenting sometimes, it's very easy to damage a child. All it takes is, you know, to say one thing and it scars them forever or to do one thing and it scars them forever. So we have to be cautious about the decisions that we make as parents. Um, One of the things that you said in one of your podcasts, and I can't remember because you got so many brilliant ones, Brian, but you were talking <laughs> about how um, the standard in which a, a boy is raised and the standard in which a girl was raised. Do you, can you like expound on that a little bit? You mean when I was saying how like um, as a little boy, they ask you how many girlfriends you got? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
and so that's the thing about it. Like, you know, this is gonna sound fucked up, but um, they don't ask no ugly boys that, so you know you're cute if they ask you that for one. <laughs> that is shady. Go ahead, yeah, yo. To Go be ahead. real, if the little boys ugly, they gonna say you gonna be a good dress. I bet you do good in school. You gonna be a good dress. If they don't see a physical attribute, they always try to make it about being smart. Mm-hmm. And so for women, it's like for little girls, they can't just you can't, you can't approach a little girl with the whole energy of you gonna have a lot of boyfriends because you sound like a pedophile. Mm-hmm. And she say to a little girl, so pretty, you gonna have a lot of boyfriends. And then also you think the like uncles who said that they home. was pedophiles. they were pedophiles, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but see at the, at the same time though, ain't the same thing be said for like when women say that about little boys. There was a time where I would have said no, but um, definitely not anymore. It was a time that I would have said no because I was like, oh no, when a girl says it to a little boy, it's not, it's, um, you know, it's fine. It's not a big deal. But when you think about it and then you think about all of the young boys who've been, you know, sexually assaulted, that's crazy. Think about the teachers that be dating a little student boy. Right. 13 year old. Right. Like, can this woman see the 13 year old boy that she can't see my chocolate ass? Because I, I could pay a bill. Little, little Oscar can't do <laughs> I'm shit. I'm done. Uh, uh, $200 drawback. I'm like, it, and it's not, I'm just being funny. But I'm just yeah. saying, it, 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 it's crazy how the whole dynamic for men and women is from childhood is set up different. Whereas, like, men are expected to be players. Women are expected to be smart and be efficient. But when you think about it, it's some case study saying that, uh, I can't think of one it was, saying how the reason um, women uh, fill churches and different organizations, even in the classroom, is because y'all have the ability to sit and listen. Just like now, y'all sit still as fuck. I don't know if the screen's <laughs> I can't sit still. But it's, it's in our DNA. Most people that are OCD are women. And when a woman is OCD, it's acceptable. When a man is OCD, first thing they say is, man, he acting like a female. He want this shit super clean. So we just always get shit just categorized as some man shit and some woman shit. But the thing about it is you're never told um, growing up, well, I wasn't at least, you never, I, I wasn't told like um, how to be fair to women. It was, if you were a kid, you could hit another kid back. But once you become a woman or a teenage girl or or y'all get into the stage of uh, uh, puberty, then that ain't acceptable no more. Hmm. But they wouldn't flat out say that shit. You mm-hmm. just knew it was wrong to hit a girl once you old enough to think she's pretty. So even wow. that, you're not going to tell little boys not to abuse women. You're going to tell them, man, she get your lick back. Because even mothers tell their son, I don't care that that's a girl. You hit her ass back. I know I've said it. Then when your son grow up to be... 18 years old, as soon as she say to him, bump this nigga, he batting her ass down. He like, who told you to be hitting the women? He ain't knowing. Then he seeing other niggas do it. And he also seeing like, <laughs> he seeing some, all this violence on TV and shit. This shit is not good for, for, for human consumption. All this shit you taking in at one time, you're going to get so caught up in the shit that you seeing that you're going to end up being the person you seeing. 
whether it be a player or be abusive. I'm long-winded because I'm from the South and my granddad was a pastor, so cut me off at any time. <laughs> we are really genuinely sitting here listening to you. Yeah, I don't no. have to take over the episode. No, you're not taking over. We're listening and we're processing. I promise you, this is good content. I'm I'm digging what you're saying. Okay, cool. But yeah, so when you get to um just like when you get to little girls. Little boys and little girls ain't talk to respect each other. The only thing you say is, that's a girl, you don't do that. They never say why. And if you even say why, you got to worry about in this day and time being labeled misogynistic. If you tell a girl, if you tell a little boy, well, your body makeup is stronger than hers, so you don't hit her because you can hit her hard. Feminists nowadays here, what make what make, what make you think she can't hit him just as hard? Versus hearing, I'm teaching him how to be a gentleman. Don't beat up on no woman and shit. It ain't that serious. Mm-hmm. But also have the um have to understand it to know its limits too and knowing because that's when you first this when you first learn to push away love that ain't healthy if somebody can't be affectionate to you without putting their hands on you physically like hurting you and shit like like think about it growing up when you first like somebody what you do the little girl hits you and you know she like you and shit when y'all like little little kids the little boy stay hitting me Listen, Joy going through that now, and I'll be ready to mess somebody's son up, for real. <laughs> be like, keep your hands off my daughter before I catch her mama at the bus stop. And back in the day, you know, we used to take naps, so we they used to put the mat next to me, and we was pretending that we was grown-ups, and we would hold our hands like this. That's why you fresh. <laughs> what? Y'all got, first of all, y'all got mats, which means that you still taking naps in school, which means y'all not even elementary age. We was in kindergarten. Yeah, why was you holding why was you you know how you grab somebody no I don't not in kindergarten no I don't not in kindergarten why was you holding somebody's hand in kindergarten because the little boy liked me what's crazy is this what's crazy is this y'all might not believe this shit but... I remember his name too I bet you do <laughs> <laughs> Brian stop laughing Claire's soft hands. <laughs> <laughs> Antoine with a W. Some shit like that. His name was Christopher. Christopher, if you listening and you remember <laughs> Jadrian, she remembers you. <laughs> she is single. So, if you would like, you can send an email to Besties Two Sisters at gmail.com you play too the word much. two <laughs> it's actually the number two so besties two. the number two sisters at gmail.com now I will tell you this Christopher if you got situationships or you married just stay where you at okay you got your little kindergarten shout out Cause do I'm you feel st- better cause I'm still as thorough as I was in kindergarten yo I <laughs> am I I I wish y'all could see Brian's face, though. <laughs> I wish y'all could see Brian's face, because he, he's having a hard time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I had to take my medication. <laughs> so, let's get back to toxic parenting. So, they said that some of the things that 
are key factors that you have a toxic parent is, of course, one, self-centered. They care about themselves more um, than they care about you. Um, Being demanding. um, So demanding a lot from you. Like, I remember when I was younger and I would bring home a B, my mom would say that was not good enough. Like, I had to have the A. Um, If I did something that stood out in school, um, she would say something like, yeah, you got this award, but the other girl, you saw how many awards she got? Like, something like that. It was always someone always did something better or there was always something else better that I could do. Um, The other thing is not being sympathetic or empathetic. Um, Children are human beings. They do experience things. Period. Like, they experience things. I still feel like with my oldest daughter going through puberty and stuff like that, I'm like, yo, if you need a day off because you going through, like, if you need a day off from school, take it. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I'm like, take it because I know just being a female, there's days when I'll be like, yo, <laughs> them hormones, they not, <laughs> yeah, I, I ain't got it today. Mm-hmm. And being sympathetic and understanding that even though she's young, she still experiences these real things. The other is overstepping boundaries, like not giving them a certain amount of privacy. And when I say a certain amount of privacy, while um, when I was reading this online, they were basically saying like, it's not okay to go through your child's phone. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry, in this age with technology and everything happening, I'm going to go through your phone. First of all, I pay for the phone and it could be as toxic as it's going to be. But I pay for the phone, (laughs) I go through the phone. If you don't want me to go through the phone, then you pay for the phone and you pay the bill. Yeah. So (laughs) definitely... No, no, no. Fuck that. Fuck that. I'm going to go through the phone. Ain't no ifs or shit. You to me I kind of knew you know how to navigate the system a little bit so if they was acting funky I knew I would call a social worker or whatever and I came home um one day and my door my door was off of my bedroom like the whole door like unscrewed that bitch and put it in the garage like just I had no door on my bedroom and it was like this is my house my rules you don't you awarded the state. You don't get no privacy. Like, that was it. My whole entire door was gone. That's crazy. Yep, whole entire door. And I remember um, it, it ended up being a real boiling point because, um, so my foster mom was elderly. And of course, she was doing it to generate the income. Um, but her oldest daughter lived there with us and she was in like her 30s and still, you know, living in the home or whatever. Her mom had um, four other foster children, so it was me, and then she had a set of, like, four siblings Mm -hmm. who were young. They ranged from the age of, like, maybe six to, like, nine. 
Um, so they were young and I was a teen at the time, um, when everything happened. And, um, I remember she asked me, um, my foster mom asked me if I could go to the store for her. And the foster home was like in kind of a bad neighborhood. Like it was in the hood. It was in the hood. And I don't know how it is in the South as far as like walking down the street. If y'all cat called a woman or hit on a woman or whatever. But it was a block that first of all it was, all it was housing. <laughs> yeah. So I used to feel like if I was leaving to go out to school, I would leave early in the morning. I would like put my headphones in and kind of just like move real fast and stuff. So I always had anxiety walking up and down the block because the guys would call at you, you know, get real close. Sometimes I feel like they following me. I was never comfortable in that neighborhood. So she asked me one time, she was like, hey, can you run to the store and you get this for me? It was like seven something at night. And I told her, I was like, I don't, I don't really want to go to the store. I don't feel comfortable with going to the store. So um, she was like, okay, she didn't say anything to me. So the next day, her daughter came in and she was like, you know, she stepped to me and she was like, my mom asked you to go to the motherfucking store and you couldn't go to the store. She got you in this house and you ain't got nowhere to go. You acted mad motherfucking ungrateful. Like she really went off on me and I felt myself heating up. I was like, Lord, I said, I don't really want to do this like foster home shit no more. Like I was like, but I was torn because I had bad experiences in the group home setting as well. So I was like, yo, I don't, I can't really do this. And she was like in my face going off and I felt myself heating up. And then I didn't even say anything to her. She kind of, she left, she went outside the apartment and she got in the car and she was talking to her boyfriend. I can't tell you what happened between like when she left my face so when she got in that car, like, there's just a blur of memory. Like, there's, like, a time lapse. I promise you. I don't know what happened. I know I was upstairs. She was in my face. And then I was downstairs. And she was in the car. And I snatched her from out the car. And I whipped her motherfucking ass on that block. <laughs> and they called the cops. The social workers came. And they put me in um the in Light Street, which is like the emergency. It's central bookings. Yeah, it's like central bookings. For booking. the foster kids. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. It's like central booking for the foster kids. So they literally removed me from that home that night. Well, that day. And sent me to Light Street. And then my journey back to the group home started. <laughs> wow. My journey back to the group so, home started. And I, then I don't know what they did because obviously, you know, she was yelling. She was going to press charges and do all of the, you know, everything. Um, I know that when I snatched her out, I broke dude's window. So I know the agency did have to pay for the window, like where I pulled her out the car. But um, I think that they, I don't know what they did, but I know they intervened so that she did, she would not press charges. That's crazy. That's crazy. But she was in my face, though. That's crazy. Okay, okay, we on your side. She getting ready to get bucked. Like, you got PTSD over here. Because, yo, I I just, it was just tonight that I realized I couldn't, I can't, I, realistically, I cannot remember how I got from upstairs to downstairs. Like, I don't remember the in-between. You probably put one foot in front of the other. We just gonna go we safely going to say that's what you did. <laughs> probably a little probably you did it in like a swift manner. <laughs> so it was quick. Yeah. But that's probably mess. what happens. So when I'm thinking about those um characteristics, 
there screaming, my mother. And I'm going to have to say my mother because usually when I talk about her in this manner, I call her by her first name. But I ain't going to do that to her. So, um, yo, in, when I'm thinking about that, my invasion of privacy, I had no privacy. None. She is definitely, and I say is because she's still alive in present day, she is <laughs> very self-centered. And she used to tell me that. She would tell me. She said, listen, I'm self-centered. <laughs> that's it if it ain't about me then what is it about so that was my upbringing for the most part um i definitely had those pressures that you know nothing was good enough i could not bring home and be i could not bring home the first of all my mother <clears throat> in all her toxicity is a goddamn genius. A genius. She is one of... If she is not the most smartest person I know, she is definitely she is high genius, up there. for real. So, realistically, she's, you know, most geniuses, you know, it's a thin line between that and insanity. Mm. And so she definitely lives on that line <laughs> every day. And so she operated that way. That said... You know, what was tough about it is she, the expectation was me to just go to school and be smart. And I was. Um, I did some of the same things she did. Like, I didn't, nece- I, ne- I didn't necessarily have to read or study or anything. I could literally miss class, maybe skim over the work, go to, go to take and, the and test still pass. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and ace it even. Yeah. So, <clears throat> that wasn't the issue, but it was just never good enough. Um, I, it always felt like my brother got all the breaks and he was the most disrespectful. He was the most disrespectful and I used to be so good. I used to be, I was afraid of her. Yeah. So I wouldn't talk back. I wouldn't suck my teeth. I wouldn't do any of those things and he, like he threw a lot of change at her one day because she went off on him and he like lost it. And when I when he did that, <clears throat> it shocked me so bad. I was like, "Oh my god, how could he do this to her?" And it wasn't until I started that. So, and most black parents probably call it this: when you start smelling yourself, when you start going through puberty. <laughs> so it wasn't until then where, and that's probably what it was. I was smelling myself. Is when I was like, "Listen, no, we're going to establish this boundary." Because you can't do this, and it was it, it made it made out for a very tough um, adolescent period for me, which is how I ended up in the group home. But uh, yeah, she and still today, my mother is a habitual line stepper. Like what? She is, you know, <laughs> she is. But when I tell you, there is a special place. <laughs> In my heart for her. Like, I truly, truly do love her because when I tell you she's a G, she's a G for real, for real. There's a special place in my heart for her. As toxic as she is, there's always a special place in my heart for her. Um, but let me ask you a question. You to- you spoke about overstepping boundaries, which is definitely one of the points of um, realizing that you have a toxic parent. Mm-hmm. But... Um, 
some people who experience toxic parents don't realize it until they are adults and they're dysfunctional as an adult and maybe they get in therapy or they have someone around or they do some self-discovery and they realize that they are victims of toxic parenting. How did you realize that what your mother was doing was overstepping boundaries and it was not correct? And when did you realize that? So I realized it first in my adolescence, which is why I was so, you know, crazy for us. But definitely when I became a mother and first it was the protection of my, my own daughter. I wanted, I didn't want, I didn't necessarily want her to be, um, have an influence on my daughter because I felt like, no, you getting ready to do the same thing Mm -hmm. and that's not something that I wanted. I didn't understand the connection that just because you were not a good parent or was had some challenges as a parent means like they they make the best grandparents for some reason. Mm -hmm. But anyway um, so I did realize it after I started having children because uh, I was still very angry at her and so anytime she wanted to get into or tell me how to raise or offer advice, I was, you know, rejecting to it. And then it wasn't until um, my daughter started walking and I had to stay with her a little bit is when I really noticed that I had the issue. Mm-hmm. And even early on, I would take it out on my daughter. Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't abuse her. Let me be very clear. But she would make me mad because, you know, grandparents fawn over their grandchildren. And it would make me mad because I'm like, so where was all that? When okay. I needed it? Which makes sense. You know? Yeah. I could have used that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for like like Brian was saying, except it, it was under the reverse for me. As a girl, mm-hmm. I wasn't taught to be soft. I was mm-hmm. taught to buck the mm-hmm. fuck up mm-hmm. while the boys were coddled. Yeah. So it's just crazy. So Brian, went, do you were your boundaries overstepped? And then the same, did you, if they were, when did you realize that your boundaries were overstepped? <clears throat> so she being raised in the South, like they raised you to believe ain't no boundaries. So mm-hmm. they feel like. Whatever, whatever is yours is theirs, whether it be your business, your space. You ain't got no business. No business? You ain't got no bad day? Oh, yeah. Right. That's, a, that's don't a big one. Yeah, it'd be like, why Why you in a bad mood? You living for free. You don't pay no bills. I'm like, yo, I gotta, I, you know how much pressure I'm under at school? Like, these kids, especially with COVID times, they're, they experience a lot in school. And there's a lot of anxiety that they endure because of it. How dare we be like, yo, you ain't, you, this what ain't you worried nothing. about? This ain't nothing. My husband's favorite thing is, oh, you should have seen when I was little. You mm. know what I had to, and he, you know, he from the South South, you know. So for him, he grew up on a farm. They had chores they had to get up and do in the morning. He was like, oh, you don't know how it is. When I had to go out in a hog pen and I'm like, yo, these kids, <laughs> they don't even know what it looked like. Like, <laughs> at all, because I, I had a slaughter hog when I was 12. Yeah. That, that shit fucked me up. Yeah. 
people I might know for days. Yeah. Uh, the thing about my situation was, well, I, I didn't even see it as uh, knowing that she overstepped the bound. I just got fed up. So I think that was my uh, feeling too. Because it was a lot. It, we had a lot of shit going on. It, it wasn't no, like, I, I'm not used to being around soft women. So, like, when I started dating and being around other girls that was soft and shit, it was like, 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 like no hugs and shit, like none of that shit, because they felt like if I'm providing for you, then shit, think that's enough. So I got a, a hard pause, hard pause. Yeah, we get ready to do just a little bit. Hard pause. <laughs> so you just said that you're not used to being around soft women, right? And we have we've had a lot of you know for for our listeners. Brian has become like an honorary brother. Yes. <laughs> we be all up in his business now. <laughs> So that explains a lot because what happens is because you are not used to being around soft women, when you come across a woman that is soft, she will never, she never measures up for you. She never measures up for you because of what was instilled in you when you were younger. Women are supposed to be hard. So, so yeah and no. Mm-hmm. And you don't know how to deal with it either. And you don't know how to deal with it. Yes, I told. So the thing of it is, so it's like this. I don't know how to deal with it. I like it, but I don't understand. I don't understand how to do it. So it's like a yeah, war between two <laughs> worlds. Like you experience something with that female, and you know, part of you is like, "Oh, her being soft is nice." But then, if y'all get into a situation and that ass still soft. You like yo, yeah, you what what know. like this don't uh uh-uh. uh you expect you have this expectation for her to turn on and be hard and she not a G like Jadrian mother. She not fitting to do it. <laughs> Let me be very clear, my mother was not a ride of that shit. She will tell you straight up, she was like, Yo, yo not me. I'm I can't she go a into thug, but she not a ride of that I cannot go into details of the story that transpired. But my mama called me a few years ago. Something happened, and um, I was aware of the situation that happened. At the time, we had a vehicle that, my, like, my mom and I had a vehicle. Like, it, 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 you know, it was in her name, and my name was on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the address that was linked to the vehicle was her address. And then, of course, you know, they pull your address. They could pull your phone number. So something went down, and... Some detectives like call my mom, mm-hmm. and you know she got on the phone, um, and she called me, and she was like, "Yo," she was like, "Aline, some detectives call me, and they got some questions or whatever." So I was like, "Yeah, mom," I was like, "Give them my number, so you know they could call me and I could talk to them." And she was like, "You sure about that? You need me to get you an attorney?" Like, what's going on? Like, she was like, you know, because when he came, I told him that I ain't seen you in years and I don't know where you at and what's going on. So I was like, ma, I was like, I'm good. Like, you could give him my number. She was like, Aline, she was like, for real, just tell me what's happening. If we need to get an attorney or whatever we need to do, like, let's make it like, let's figure it out now. My mama is taking me to the damn police 
situation. <laughs> Let me tell you, she is taking me down there herself. But there's one time where I well. Let me not say that because my mother will fuck somebody up over me. She but, will. She will. There's one time in particular I remember. I was in high school. I'm gonna tell the story real quick. I was in high school and I fought all the time. Like it just was. It it, it was what it was. Part of it is because I have a smart mouth. Anyway, I fought and this girl. And, 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 a, and a short fuse. A let's short not forget. Let's not forget that I don't have a short fuse. Any fight that I got to, it was not because I got angry. It was because the other person got angry. Mm, Okay, so we're going to leave that for another episode. (laughs) Because I can name about four times solid. We've been friends for over 22 years. But just go go on and continue with your story. I'm going to let you live it how you live it. Well, the end of the fight, what happens is really the girl was um, fighting my friend. And they were planning to jump her and I was there with her. And I knew, I knew that it was going down. And so this is, it was like a whole thing. Anyway, I got sliced on my left elbow, right? They took me to the hospital, whatever, whatever. My mom comes, she meet, we, I go get these stitches. And then we got to go to the police station. Yo, bruh, when I tell you, when we walked into the police station... The girl was standing right there. They had her in handcuffs. And then they and her mother was standing there. Her mother was a little ragamuffin ass bitch mm-hmm. too. Yo. Dang, she still got beef. What you remember the girl name? You, you want me to call I her do out? Remember her do, name. do you still do you still do we need to call She's her out? Probably you not here. <laughs> but you just call this girl you just call the girl mama. Ragamuffin bitch. Go ahead. Go you ahead. know what I'm saying? I'm like, she said it like we still got unfinished business, though. So, because people be thinking I'm the thug. I'm the one who got cut, but I'm the thug. Anyway. Thugs get cut, too, but continue. And so, when my mother walked into the station, you would have swore she didn't give a damn about none of them police. Oh, yeah, that's my mama. (laughs) That's my mama, for real. She was like, she seen the girl. She was like, Jadrian, is that that bitch right there? Before the woman. The, the, I the told mama. you she a G. Yo, before the mother could open her mouth all the way, my mother was flying across the room. And I was like, oh. Like, we finna go to jail, jail. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm gonna be in juvie and mama finna be locked up. Yeah. Mm. But it all worked out in the end. I and just, I got a cute scar to, you know. You know. The only gang story I got like that was one time my mama and her, her ex-husband was arguing and shit. And I thought, I don't yell at my mama, man. And uh, he said, this is my, I like you know, I want to. So I'm going to get my gun. I'm like 19. I'm going to get my gun. My mama say, don't tell them what you're going to do. They do what you're going to do. I'm like, huh? <laughs> no, she did. Oh, shit. Hey, so we ain't never planning the whole beat and shit. After that shit, every time she left the house, that nigga left too. We already know we finna do you bad here. Me and my little brother, we finna fuck him up and now. Hey, you heard me rack that gun too? You know, back back in the day, motherfucker had a little chrome gun, so I had a little a little nine and shit. Mm-mm. Man, shit, I caught that motherfucker. He seen the butt end of that motherfucker. He was like, hey, "He got a gun, yeah, nigga, we'll kill you by his mom." Mm. Facts. Facts. Uh, but, but back to what you, uh, back 
I'm gonna go back a little bit when y'all talking about the whole school shit. Like, like, and I was thinking about it. Like, like my mama never helped me with the homework and shit. But I was expected to get uh, uh, all A's and shit. And I felt like I was being used, like, like you know how motherfuckers like um, get a new dog and brag about the dog and the new. And oh the yeah. Hmm. So I felt like. Why, like, you getting stripes off me doing it work by myself and shit? And if I don't do it, you gonna beat my ass? I'll take that ass whooping there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I feel de- like that's my son. But it's definitely, <laughs> like, how, um... So, uh, one of the things that's a toxic parent trait is they're trying to live their life through their children. So, everything that they could not do, they have an expectation for their children to be able to do. It's also a way that you, that they show, they show how great of a parent they are by their children's achievements, right? So, how many times have you been... Have you been in... Because I don't know how dudes do it. I know that women do it all the time. Oh, my child does this. Oh, my child does that. Oh, so-and-so got this. Oh, so-and-so got that. Mm-hmm. They uh, There's always a comparison. Um, I actually know this couple who have a school... They have a school. Um, so, mo- it's a... It's a... Um, it's a Montessori school. And they have all their children attend the Montessori school. And my children attended the school too. Um, And I ended up pulling my children out of the school because somebody was going to catch these hands. So I ended up pulling (laughs) them out. Yeah. Yeah. At the Montessori school. Like for real, for real. Like my, um, it was like, it was bad. Like my husband had gone up to the school and I was like, yo, I was like, just, just try to behave when you get there. Um, but, um, their children, like, for instance, say, um, their daughter was nine years old. They had it recorded like, oh, even though she's nine and she should be in the third grade, she's actually in the sixth grade because academically she's achieving more um, than the other students. And really, it's not even that she's, acad- she was, she was a bright little girl, but she was not academically achieving more than any other students, any other students in the school. What it was, was that they wanted to accelerate her because they're one of those families who, you know, wanted to have that 12 year old that got accepted to six different Ivy League schools or HBCUs and, mm. you know, all of that stuff. Um, and the reality of it is their children could not measure up to that. Um, and I knew at times that they dealt with a large amount of stress because they were forced to um, achieve academically what, you know, normal everyday children aren't even supposed to do it, even according to the, you know, public educational system. So it's definitely to make themselves be in the place of... Um, being able to show off. And then also there's this aspect of, you know, I'm investing my time now with you. You're going to um, accelerate and do well, where if you do end up making a lot of money, there's this expectation that you're going to take care of me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the boys, rapper, NBA, or NFL, you know? And, you know, that's the ticket. That's my ticket out of struggling if one of my kids make it. Um, so it's always, you know, that genre of, 
I own you and I'm investing my time and later on I'm going to recoup those. Yeah, Yeah, I'm going to collect. And that's a, you know, shaded place to be. It's a jaded place to be um, in a toxic parent relationship. Because what if you don't measure up? What if that's not what you want to do? And that's why we have (laughs) toxic parentships. And that's why we have a lot of people, particularly in our age group, that have a feeling towards their parents because it is that generation that did that. And, you know, when I think about it, though, and I think about the way my mom treated me, and I think we were were talking a little bit about this um, off air, but my mother's relationship with my grandmother was horrible. Oh, yeah. Toxic parents are usually victims of toxic parenting. Hands down. And so one of the things is I think that my mother just picked up some of those behaviors, right? Then the fact that I remind my mother of my grandmother made that a little, made it worse. Made just all of that more it probably was more triggering for her but and probably is still today because like I said (laughs) sometimes I'll be needing a break I'll be like mother and that's how I have to establish my hard boundaries I definitely get that I have not met your grandmother but you definitely have strong (laughs) attributes from your mother as well I know. Yo, for real. No, they're good. They're good. There's nothing wrong with it. They're they're really, really good attributes. It's one of the things that I love about her because we were like 16, 17 years old and she always acted like an old lady. Always. <laughs> like since we were younger, she always acted like an old lady. Her mannerisms, the way she talked, the way she walked. And then at that time, she would always keep her hair wrapped up and have these big glasses on. That's why Brian thought I didn't have no hair. Oh, uh, yeah, because you had your hair wrapped up. Me, oh, I'm like, damn. Yeah. Shit, I, man, shit, I, I went through a little situation with man, shit, uh, that my first time getting introduced to, uh, lace fronts and shit, so. Oh, my man, gosh. Up, and, uh, so. Oh, you missed that part of my life. I'm mm. gonna be grown, so, 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 shit, we, we doing whatever, whatever, and so, I, I reached around the man, and. <laughs> the hell, man? Well, I'm having the lace front slid, I'm like. It came <laughs> off? It slid back, I'm like. <laughs> Because, so, before going to the group home, when again, when my brother and I were younger, um, I was four, 
my mother had some stuff going on and we ended up in foster care. And so the lady who took me in, when she took me in, she was in her 60s. And she had kept foster kids for years. And, but that was my, as I started to, you know, you start to um, retain information and remember right around three or four or whatever, right? So <clears throat> everything, I, so I got all that stuff from her, Every everything. Sometimes the way, I, the way I talk, the way, like you said, the way I was moving, I just... Because I used to sit with the old ladies. And she would go and talk to her girlfriend. She lived in the projects on the, on the Lower East Side. And they would just sit there and talk about stuff all day. Excuse me. So, so, so you were a little kid with your little crows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watching. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> that and she she rocks. So she I would always, that since I was a little girl. yeah, she rocks. So, you know, she would always like rock back and forth. And I'm like, yo, this girl just, <laughs> she just, I don't know what I thought of you when I was, when we were teenagers. Well, do it really matter? I mean, at this point we locked in, so <laughs> I don't think it does, but I was just like, this girl is... She- I can tell you what I thought, because I think the same thing about everybody. But everybody be thinking I'm mean. I just be scoping people out. I be like, oh, okay, well, let's see what's going on here. Because, again, then I was quite the angry teenager. And so, I didn't mess with nobody. I didn't talk to nobody, like, for real, for real. And the little friends I had, that was it. And nobody else knew could come in. And I was just wary of everybody. That's all. I mean, you still like that now. I'm wiser now, though. Yeah. You're wiser now, but you still like that now. You be on some like, yo, no new friends. No new friends. I'm done. No new friends. Um, And I, I feel like I'm the same way. I be like, yo, this for the birds. I'm not interested. <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, I do definitely have st- strong, strong attributes um of my mother and some of them I'd be like alright I see why she did this and I got it and some things I'd be like yo you really like mess me up dog <laughs> so one of the one of my favorite things about her mom is my favorite I have two favorite holidays um Everyone, everyone, everyone knows. I'm going to let you catch this irony in a minute, <laughs> but go ahead. Let, I'm going to let her finish. Everyone knows that my my first favorite holiday is Christmas. I absolutely love Christmas. And I absolutely hate it. And it's because I, like, I love decorating. I love that time of year. I love doing the stuff for the kids. I like their faces when they wake up. I'm like, I love the season. I'm ready for the eggnog. I'm ready for the pumpkin spice. I'm like, let's go and get it. Like the whole season, I'll be ready. Like my, yeah, I go overboard. My tree, (laughs) yeah, pumpkin spice. Like my tree goes up Thanksgiving night. Like that's it. I'll be ready. I'm like, oh, y'all finish eating dinner? Let's get this tree up. Like that. I'm. That's where I am. Right. And Christmas is. Like, Jadrian hates Christmas. She absolutely despises Christmas. Now, peep this. 
my mother, when they get together, yo, it's off the hook. It's like Christmas barf. It's the worst <laughs> thing ever. And I just be like, I'm so glad for her though because I don't have time for that. Prior to them linking up, she would call me every Christmas and it would piss me off because the irony in that is that she is the reason why I hate Christmas. And so when she, and then she calls me every Christmas. Yo, she be she on it though. To be excited and I don't be excited. She be on it. Like <laughs> Halloween come around and she starts sending me the like Christmas stuff. She be like, hey, you know, look at this tree, look at these decorations. Cause every year I pick a different color for my tree and then I, I decorate my whole house, whatever color we picked, we decorate in, right? So she'll start sending me ideas. We'll be talking about it. Then this year, no lie, she really went all out. Like she did Christmas gifts for my kids. She did Christmas gifts for her grandkids. She had stuff shipped to my house. Then she had my stuff shipped to Jay's house. And then she was like, you know, make sure you wrap them. And, you know, and I was like, cool. Like the packages was coming. I was like, I'm going to wrap this up. And she knew not to tell me to wrap a damn thing because I don't wrap any gifts. Yeah. So she calls me her Christmas daughter. (laughs) That and she's always, she always is looking for what I'm cooking. She's like, what, what are you cooking Mm -hmm. this year? Because she know I go all out. You can cook. Really? Really? But you from New York, though. Hey, yo. 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 He about to get canceled all the way. Brian really fit to get canceled. I'm sorry, but I never, I've never. So I'm going to tell you a difference. I'm going to tell you the difference. And I learned this some years ago when I first left New York. And I remember the first place I moved to the South was um, Virginia. So the thing about Southern cooking is that it is usually the same stuff. It's just somebody cook it better than the other one. With the exception of Louisiana where they have the whole Cajun twist. Mm -hmm. Girls from New York. Girls from New York. We have so many different cultures that are cooking is usually a mixture of that. So we have, well, we do, I, we also come from West Indian households, but on top of that, yeah, you got like, the like the whole his- fact that he didn't even know I was a Jamaican. Wow. Like, and they're going to ask me if I could cook. Like, <laughs> he really finna get hung up on. Like, I don't even want to do the next six episodes with him. Not like, child. And then he on my Facebook page and he be seeing my food posts where he think I'm posting my neighbor food. Like, Oh, okay. But, I'm done, done so with you. what I'm saying is that girls from New York, because we're surrounded by so many different people and so many different um, cultures, that we learn to cook a little bit of everything. And so we just have, I mean, it's great that you know how to cook macaroni and cheese, baby, but how many different ways you going to cook it? That part. Like, come on. <laughs> so the thing of is, okay, so... Basically, Mind you, he asking if I could cook and he can't fry chicken in the air fryer. They're cooking that fried chicken on the stove. I'm going to see some pictures of my place. So, well, hold that thought. Hold that thought, Brian. We're going to come back to the people in just a moment. 
Um, we're gonna take a little breaky break. And I'm still coming for Brian when I come back, so y'all ain't gotta worry. Y'all not missing nothing. <laughs> we are back. So before I come for Brian, <laughs> how he came for me. I'm just going to go ahead and plug a few things because ain't nobody got time to be messing with Brian right now. <laughs> I got time in two minutes, though. So for Bessie's sisters, be sure that um, you catch us either on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Anchor. Um, we do have a Gmail set up so you guys can go ahead and send um, just topics that you wanted us to discuss or some ideas. Um, besties, the number two sisters at gmail.com. And we are, thank you, Brian, because Brian definitely gave us some pointers last week. So we are officially on Instagram, Facebook, and we do have Venmo. So support, support. (laughs) Um, so our Venmo is besties to sisters, Instagram, besties to sisters podcast, Facebook, besties to sisters podcast. Mm -hmm. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Another thing is we will be continuing our toxic series. However, for episode two, guess where you got to go to listen? Conversations and Situations with B. Taylor. So for episode two of the Toxic Ship podcast, it will be aired on Conversations and Situations by B. Taylor. And you make sure when you go over to that man page, even though I got beef with him right now, like, share, and subscribe. Thank you. And leave him a fried chicken recipe. Yo, for real. Because how you gonna ask me if I can cook? No, don't even say nothing right now. Let me come for you now. Because I'm finished, so I can come for you. How you gonna ask me if I could cook, but you was having trouble with air fried chicken? I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm used to frying chicken the regular way. I'm not used to... And then I was high as shit, so... In my defense, so... I took four edibles and smoked the blood of some... Gorilla glue number four. So, I was forgetting that this is an air fryer, so all I need to do is dip this shit in oil and put it in. I put flour on this shit. And the shit came looking like uh, chicken nuggets and shit. So I said, nah, I ain't fuck this <laughs> Okay. I can cook, though. I swear I can cook. So when y'all I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. So that, oh, oh, you can cook? You can cook? I don't want to hear it. So, <laughs> let's just be clear. Let's be clear. Not only is Aline a very good cook, she's Mm. an extravagant cook. Mm. I can cook many different things from many different cultures. Okay? Listen, how you gonna interrupt my thing and ask Jadrian if she could cook, though? She could cook. No, because the whole time while you talk, she said it. So that was Mm. my little... (laughs) <laughs> mm. so both of us together are definitely a force to be reckoned with mm. however the difference between she and I is she will just straight up cook for the family or if I special request something mm. she'll definitely cook it for me um, I however I I express my love through cooking so I like to cook and entertain she is like I ain't for all I'll that cook for my people. yeah that's I'm gonna it. cook for my people and that's it <laughs> I love to cook. I love to cook and entertain. So I may just cook and be like, "Hey y'all, I feel like cooking this weekend. Let's come over and let's find something to celebrate." Because I just want to cook, and it happened like that. But her mac and cheese, though, 
is bussin' bussin'. And, like, any function that we have, I think if Liam, my 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 son, if he don't see her come in with that mac and cheese, it'd be war for her. He'd be like, auntie. <laughs> did you make mac and cheese? Yeah, auntie, did you make mac and cheese? And, he like, when she makes it, he's not moving from the table. He literally is going to go and he's going to keep asking for, like, more. He's not going to stop eating the mac and cheese, so... That's there. So, yes, we could cook, Brian. With your toxic ass. Yo. Say it with me. Say it with me. Toxic. (laughs) (laughs) That's it right there. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. It's not my fault. Women made me this way. I didn't choose this life. They They chose it for me. That's toxic. Oh. And you know better than that. Exactly. Because <laughs> at what point you gonna start taking ownership and be like, okay, I need. Yeah. Because at what point you gonna be like, yo, I need to own this and do what I gotta do. So if that's what you want, I'm not fucking with you. Now, if motherfuckers say that shit, I'm like, oh, she stood up to me and shit. Well, I ain't been then. I can let that shit, I can fuck it. You know? But if you're afraid to, if you're afraid to disagree with me and shit, like the letter, like the little shit earlier, she was afraid to stand up to me, so she want to ask, she want to talk via tape. Pick up the phone. I can pull up. We can talk about whatever. I'll come to the table willing to lose, uh, 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 well, not lose, but feel like, well, feel hurt or whatever. It, it may happen, it might not. I'm open. I ain't tripping. I just want to know what the truth is. So here's what we here's what we not gonna do, Ryan, because this episode is airing on our channel tonight. She not finna send me no Gmail message, no Instagram, no Facebook <laughs> DM going off on you. I'm not taking it. I'm not. And I'm I not. Do not do four page no, letters, honey. No, I ain't got time. Mm-hmm. no, I'm not finna do it. So you, I did all my reading. You, in school. you better clean. You better clean it up fast and let her know. Be like, hey, hey, don't even do it. Don't even. <laughs> Do it. Don't even do it. Yeah. They, 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 they beating girls. They from New York. They like, you know, yeah. It's not a game. When are you gonna let that go? Never. 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 I think it's y'all from New York. Though I like y'all accent. I like how y'all say coffee. <laughs> coffee. And, and I say hot dog. Hot dog. See how y'all say this shit? Hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> say say it again, Brian. Hot dog. Say hot dog. What on country though? I'm country. You don't get no country. That's Alabama's pretty country. When you get past Mississippi country, you go to like a motherfucker speaking uh Creole and shit. Well, that's true. Can you can you speak and understand Geechee? No. Okay. Some of some of it I can get. Some of it I can get because that's how we talk at home. Mm-hmm. Like, like um, the whole thinner, uh, both of them, all mm-hmm. that shit, or or I ain't done you nothing, shit like that. Mm-hmm. It's saying I ain't done nothing to you. You know, it, it it got a twist like that. So I can understand 
different dialects in the South. So I can tell somebody from, they used to know how they actually was like, because don't nobody talk that nigga from Georgia. Like, how they talk? So they don't say Atlanta. They say Atlanta. Just like cats from North Carolina, they say Kalana. Just like niggas from Florida, they say Florida. And niggas from Louisiana don't say Louisiana, they say Louisiana. Well, we say New York. We just say New York. But how can you not... How can you... You can't say it no different because they have y'all from there, but... Say New York. You know what I'm saying? But how do Jersey cats sound? Do they sound like y'all? No. No. Do New Hampshire niggas sound like y'all? No. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> so, it's just a different flavor of what's the base there. It just varies from that shit. But make no mistake sure. about it. So when we talk about New York, we're referring to the boroughs <laughs> because you also get the the people you you know you have that group of people who be like, oh, I'm from New York too, and then you be like, they when they be Albany. like, yeah, they be like upstate <laughs> Albany. I'm like that's Gosh, not fairy. yeah we like, don't we, yeah yeah we don't consider that New York <laughs> even though it is we don't consider it New York you gotta be from one of the five boroughs to be thorough <laughs> wow that's a bar <laughs> so you don't know the five boroughs the five boroughs of death what okay so you got Queens you got Bronx yeah. You got Brooklyn. Yeah. It's really Manhattan, but everybody say Harlem because <laughs> they always cut off. So Harlem is a place that's in Manhattan. Yeah. But it just stands out in Manhattan. So most of the time. People think that Manhattan and Harlem, and Harlem are two separate, separate places, places, but they're not. So you got Harlem. <laughs> and then you got SI, Staten Island. Mm-hmm. And those are the five boroughs. Oh shit! And they don't say, you "Oh, I'm make from." Me send you all the New York songs, yeah. Because you need what? And then they don't say, "Oh, I'm from Staten Island." They say, "I'm from the island." Mm-hmm. My favorite, my favorite, some of my favorite rapper from New York, like uh, Wu Tang, Lost Boys. Lost Boys is my group. Oh my god, people be sleeping. But how old are you, Brian? I don't know why you asking him his age and I told you he was a year younger than us. He's a year younger than us? Yeah. No, he's a year, I'm sorry, he's a year older than us. Yeah, I'm finna say, damn, y'all fool. <laughs> oh my God. So, we will be live streaming soon and, and JJ and I will post our photos on our social media pages. Bessie's to Sisters podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. However, I had a patient today who was born um, the same year as me. He's November. I'm June. Mm-hmm. And he definitely did not look like he was my age. And I was like, Lord, I thank you because you have been good to me. I'm just trying to tell you, you've been so good to me. Because I definitely don't look my age, and neither does Jadrian. So I met my soulmate uh, about a week ago. But I he can't go, go ahead, go, go go ahead and um tell the truth and shame the devil because she didn't. I did. So 
at this office that I work at, this gentleman comes in. He made a same day appointment, right? And ask her where he was from, Brian. Wait. Before I, she get into the story, ask where he was from. It doesn't matter. Okay. It does. I, I, it, okay, it will, but let me tell you after. So, he had my birthday, my exact birthday, May 25th, same year. And I was like, yo, because I've never seen that before in my life, so I was excited. And then, you know, I got excellent excellent customer service skills so when he came in you know that's how we started our little conversation so now I'm in a sister group chat and I'm like y'all I think I found my soulmate he had da, 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 da. here goes this hater over here <laughs> not a hater <laughs> no you need to leave him alone he's a patient he can't ethics 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 child some people, how you gonna meet? It's my soulmate. Who cares? So first of all, he's not her soulmate. That's one. <laughs> let's just shut that. Let's shut that down from the gate. He's not her soulmate. That's one. Oh god. Second thing is, he not. Don't don't entertain it. Don't entertain it. Don't entertain it, Brian. Don't entertain it. Wait, I gotta tell you. So you are was... just now being added as a sibling. I've been a sibling for quite some time now. So he You is... don't know when it's fuckery with her. I do. So so <laughs> he is he was he is also Nigerian. Because what happened is that we was asking each other, look why your why is your face in the camera like that? <laughs> we were asking each other. He was like, Oh, so are you from here? And I was like, No, I'm originally from New York. I moved here. Um, you know, about a year and a half ago, whatever. And so I asked him, I said, Oh, are you from here? He was like, No, I moved here from Dallas or whatever. And I moved here in August. So not only that, but we both moved to Austin in August. That's my soulmate. Still not her soulmate. So <laughs> here's the thing. Is here's the thing. Because I got here before her, I definitely am like the plug when it comes to certain things. She was going to this like li- little raggedy nail salon, and I was like, "Yo, you need to go see Tammy." Shout out to Tammy Blossom Nail Spa, West Palmer Lane. Don't ask me for her information right now because I ain't got it because it's yeah. on my phone. Oh my However, God. I'll plug it later. Oh I'll post God. it on Bestie's sister oh um, social God. media page. And shout out to Tammy. And we'll post our picture together. I love Blossom Nail Spa because they got the mimosas in there. You could like drink 8 o'clock in the morning if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> and Tammy just gives superb customer service. And I love the fact that it's a nail salon that you go in and they're always dressed really nicely. And they speak good English. So, you know, I'm always about that. Anywho. Why are you sorry, laughing? Sorry. Don't laugh. I got to do. I had to do that little plug. Anywho. Mm-hmm. So... You know, then she was going to this chick who was like, yo, you got to wash your hair before you get here. And I don't do those, right? Because I'm paying wait, you for wait, a service. Wait, wait, wait. I got to wait. Hold on. Sorry. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so are they Asian? Yeah. They're Vietnamese. And they speak very good English? Yeah. They do. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. And I love Tammy because she be all up on it. She be like, how the kids doing? Girl, what's going on? She be all up in the she business. Like she know everybody name. name. She in the school. She be super cute when you go in there. Hey, you wanna hear some crazy shit though? When we get when we get done, 
I want y'all to go on YouTube and listen to uh, and, and type in uh, uh, Southern Asians in Mississippi. And is Asian sound like me down there? Oh, I believe it. I believe <laughs> it. Hey, fuck me up. I was a little kid. We go in the Chinese store. We getting little candies and zoo and rampers in the South. Shout out to all the Asian Americans. They would um put stores in the neighborhoods and shit so we can buy like uh food to cook and shit like that. But they wouldn't let grocery stores go in certain zone areas and shit. So my first time going to this one store back at home, I went in the store called Johnny's. Oh, talking like a regular mm-hmm. dude and shit. Do you know some shit like it was some fat what you need. You're not finna get us canceled. Nope. You're not finna get us canceled. No. <laughs> Jadrian, stop laughing. Brian, play too much. You 40 or younger, you done, if you if you 35 or older, you done seen men's society. And so y'all understand. We hey. Just like I wish y'all could see I wish y'all could see Jadrian over here. I'm I might have to resuscitate her when he is finished. <laughs> She was going to this chick house to get her hair done, and she like, oh, you gotta wash your hair before you get here. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm paying for a service. You finna wash my hair too. I'm gonna cut for you, what? Brian, and let you jump what? in. <laughs> Brian be having all the questions. Yo, I swear. <laughs> so listen, so listen. I'm just saying. Just think about it like this. Just, just, just think about it. You know how fucked up it to be. If a white dude was to tell you that you told that you were part African, and they say you speak real good English, most of be like, "What did she just say?" It's fucked up to hear you say that about these. Cause a lot of Asian cats that you don't know what the fuck they saying, and you really want to know. It's like, but do you know why it's like that? Why like that though? Because of their community. So when they come here. They establish community or they keep community very well. And there's not a need for them to learn how to speak the language here because they have strong community, hands down. Their communities are strong. So they never have to go outside of their community to do anything. Mm -hmm. I used to work for an Asian doctor. Um, They go to Asian schools. They make sure that they that the children um go to Asian churches. They only shop at Asian places. They if the if you go to a chiropractor, their chiropractor is Asian. If you go um to their church, their pastor is Asian. If you go to um the school, the school like they have a whole Asian school. Anything that you want to think, of, anything that you could possibly think about. Whether it be a bakery, whether it be whatever it is, like they make sure that somebody in their community has the capacity to do to do it, 
and they take care of their own. Even when you think about like foreign exchange students, Mm -hmm. they would have those students come and stay in their community. There's never a need to learn English because they keep it in their community. And that's, that's like real, real. So the other thing is America... It's the only land of the free and home of the brave. It's the only place that you can live and not speak the language. If you travel to any other country in the world, what do you have to do? You have to learn their language in order to communicate with them. If you go inside their state buildings or state offices or whatever, there may not be an interpreter available to you. Or or signs, yeah, or signs, yeah. It may not be available to you. However, America, if you go to the welfare office and you need somebody to translate, guess what? They gonna have a translator for you. America is is the only country that does that. It's the law Mm -hmm. where so you can live here, you can receive financial help from the country. And not speak the language. What does that say? So, like, um, man, wouldn't it be crazy if you went somewhere else, you could speak the language, but you want to live there, though? You you have to learn the language. Now, if it it if it, it, it may cost you money to get into a school to learn the language, or it may cost you a money um, more money to immerse yourself into their community and learn their language, but I guarantee it's fight or flight. You gonna learn the language. They not going to accommodate you unless you a tourist. And that's still every once in a while. They have you a book. Yeah. But when you come to the land of the free and the home of the brave, you finna get government assistance and not be able to speak the language. And you never have to learn the language. And you never have to learn the language. It's not an expectation for you to learn. Yeah, you never have to learn it. They gonna make sure you have a translator on a taxpayer on a taxpayer dollar. Yeah. However, my niece, my niece, who's deaf, if we need a translator for her, just in in the home, it's a service we have to pay for. Mm-hmm. And she she's born here. She's an American citizen. However, it's a service that we have to pay for. Shit. Now, I never thought about having to know the language or whatever. I just assumed that, um, I don't know what I thought. I, you know, probably you learn it as you go or some shit. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Cause like, I, learned, I, learned, I learned Spanish and shit. You know what I'm saying? I understand it, but I, I understand some of it. And I speak a little bit of it, but when I first came out here and shit, and cats were telling me, like, because I, I was on the west side of town. So it's it like like that like that's that's a heavily populated heavily Hispanic population over there. So you you like from the elote man. Y'all Yo, I love me some elote. That shit fine, ain't it though? And he was about to ask us if we knew what it was, but he forgot that we grew up in New York where everybody's there. So we know all, like, y'all, you know. Y'all had a lote up there? Yeah! And some more I thought there was some Mexican shit. I didn't know there was no just Hispanic well, there's, shit. There's a large population of Mexicans in New York. In New York? Yeah. yeah. Yo, you are so uncultured right now. I'm really having a hard time with you, right? <laughs> 
So the Hispanics, so that's why we say Hispanic. Because they you know, you got the Puerto Ricans, you got the Dominicans, you got the Cubans, you got the Venezuelans, um, all of them. Yo, why in the world? Who is trying to call me? I know I told everybody I'm recording. Mm, anywho, I'm mind my business and leave that one alone. So back to back to because we don't went far left. Back to toxic parenting because y'all don't went far left. Just no, we're on toxic friendships now. Oh, and then he interrupted my story anyway. So I put her on to all these places or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So I referred her. I like, you know, I, I got on with this job and I'm like, yo, it's a good company. Come get on. I know you don't know like this part of the medical side, but I'll show you and then we could do this. You know, we, we got this. So I can't invite, refer my sister to the job. Everybody know you, my sister. Next thing you know, your ass in the offices, you done messed with one of the damn patients. And now they trying to, now he, now he a lover scorns because she ain't know how to, you know, she didn't know the difference between relationship and, you know, community. You know what I'm saying? And then, and then now he want to be complaining to HR about how she done left him. And she my sister, and I refer her. So you know I had to shut it down quick. I'm like, no. Ethics, morals, values. Get, no, you cannot. Don't talk to that man. He is not your soulmate. Keep it moving. Have you ever seen a love story movie ever? A rom-com ever? All of them. That's how it happens. That's nice, but um, it doesn't happen like that for <laughs> you, so let it go. Uh, the last I saw was uh, Always Be My Maybe. You ever seen that? Always Be My What? Always be my maybe. Oh. No, but but here's the thing. You know the difference in all of those characters in all of the movies, episodes, series, sitcoms, rom-coms? You know the difference? What's the difference? None of them is black and none of them grew up in New York City foster care system. I'm going to need you to let it go. does that make a difference? It does. Yo, she shady as shit. (laughs) Um... There's no hope so are you trying to call me toxic? Can we talk about toxic fathers? We can. We can. We can. So Brian has a good relationship with his daddy, which is dope. That is dope. I have a dynamic relationship with my foster father, but my sperm donor, that nigga ain't shit. Oh, so we just deep diving. Oh, okay. <laughs> and 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 the reason why I'm going to cover this. So, my mama d- did have toxic things. However, my mother has come a long way and she and I are working on a healthy relationship, so I'm I'm not going to throw her under the bus, you know? Mm-hmm. And she came, she had a hard situation growing up as well. I'm not going to throw her under the bus. But one who I will never hesitate to throw under the bus is <laughs> The donor. I'm going to tell you why. Because he was toxic from the day he stepped in my mama life. And he toxic right now while he's still living. And he has it's five, it's five girls. My father has five daughters. Um, and I have two brothers that I know of. I don't know if there are other children out there. And one of the daughters, um, she toxic too. And she cut off. And, um, 
she the one that we said ain't his baby anyway. I really want to take a DNA test, but she won't do it, you know, because, you know, <laughs> she toxic. Anyway, neither here that's nor your, there. That's your friend. Neither here nor there. So, I'm just going to tell y'all some of the toxic things that the donor has done. Okay. Leading all the way up to his cutoff. Because it is okay. Make no mistake about it. If you are in a toxic situation and you need to cut off, let Aline school you on how to cut off a toxic situation. <laughs> because, baby, when I tell you, my, my pastor told me one time, not my current pastor, but when I was younger, my pastor told me one time, he said, your cutoff game is dangerous. He was like, it's hard and it's swift and you don't look back. And that's that could be a good thing or it could be a really, really bad thing. And I've experienced it on both sides. However, thing number one that my toxic father has done, the donor, I usually call him by his name. And when I talk to my sister about him, I say, your father, because <laughs> he ain't mine. Um, so the first toxic thing that he's done is he was, um, he was abusive. He was super, super, um, so my father came in my life around the time when I was maybe 12, 11 or 12, somewhere around there. He had disappeared and, um, he had done some shady stuff even to my sister. However, my sister and I are very close. Um, not Jadrian, my biological sister. We're very close and it's not my story to tell. It's her story. So I would never, you know, release her own stuff, you know. Um, but he, the first thing was the toxic things that he did to my sister. Um, the second thing was, um, the way he left. And I, so my earliest memory of the donor is I had to be like maybe six or seven. And, um, at the time my mother was incarcerated and I was living with one of my aunts. And, um, he came in the house to pick up my oldest sister and I was on the bed, like laying down watching TV. And he said to my aunt, he was like, oh, that little girl is so pretty. He was like, whose baby is that? Like, he didn't know who I was. Like, he le he legit didn't know that I was his child. And I remember being that small, looking up at him. And then I turned, and I went back to watching TV, because I didn't know who he was either. <laughs> but he didn't know who I was. So that's the first thing. So, um, years later, when we connected, um, we had, like, my family had gone through some stuff. And my three sisters ended up staying with him. At the time when we were staying with him, I was young. I was the younger of the three, the youngest of the three. And um, no, I'm lying. It was four of us. The one that we disowned, that I disowned, was the youngest. She was like toddler age. She was like one or two at the time. Um, and then it was me. And then it was, you know, um, my two older sisters. So my oldest, my older sisters, one was in high school and the other one was out of high school already. And we were all living together. So we lived in a neighborhood in the building that we lived in. My sister, my oldest sister, who's out of high school in college, like she got a job, she working. 
she met this dude and she started dating him. And my father was pissed off. How dare you date this dude? Like, you can't, yada, yada, etc. You can't date him. If you're going to continue seeing him, you can't stay in my house. And he put her out. Hmm. Now, mind you, my oldest sister, he did some stuff to her. And she, even after all that he did to her, she always had this innate ability to really want community and want to get in touch with the family. And she was the one who found us and reconnected us to him. And he put her out because she was dating somebody that he didn't like. And he legit, so my sister, we lived in the same apartment building. And we were told, as as little girls, we were told, if you walk the street or you leave outside this apartment and you see your sister, you can't speak to her. Do not say nothing to her. So we would have to walk past her. Like if we were with him, we would have to walk past her and not say anything. Of course, like when he was there, like when he wasn't there, child, me and my sister, we'd be sneaking out the window, like in the back of the building, like That's trying to connect crazy. to her and stuff. But he was like, you cannot, y'all cannot talk to her. So that was that was another thing that he did. Another time, um, I remember um, I had, you know, I was in um, middle school or I was getting ready to go to middle school and I had gotten in some trouble in school with a group of friends. We were all sitting in science class and we would just be talking during class or whatever. The teacher called home and she called everybody's parents in the class or whatever. At the time, he used to be like a super for this building. And so he would do like a lot of heavy construction work. So he wore this big, you know, the big heavy construction belts, like the tan ones. Mm-hmm. When I got home from school and he told me that lady called and I was trying to explain to him like what happened that, you know, was everybody in the class talking? I made a mistake, that kind of thing. He didn't even let me get a word out. He hit me with that belt. And when the belt came up off my arm, my skin was on the belt. Like my skin was on the construction belt. Do you know how heavy that construction belt is? Yeah. Like the skin on my arm was off. And when I went to school the next day, I never forget this. When I went to school the next day, because he looked like he he looked like the single father. I looked like the little girl whose mother didn't want me when that wasn't the case. So the school always praised him for being an active participant in his children's education and in their lives. They didn't call CPS on him. They were like, oh, we know things like this happen sometimes and no big deal. And they swooped it under the rug, not knowing I was really being abused, one. And two, he was a crackhead, like a functioning crackhead. So here, let's lead to the next toxic thing. So my daddy sold crack out of the house. And in order for him to generate the amount of volume of crack that he was generating, he would have my sisters and I cooking up the crack, cutting it up, and bagging it in the vials. So you remember how the crack used to come in them little tiny vials with the little plastic tops? We would have to, like, so we... So I could cook crack, bitch. Like, I know how to cook crack. (laughs) 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 educated. I was. I was. 
And she was really looking at me. So he would have us in there. He would have us in there. We would be like cooking crack. And then he had the straws. And he would teach us how to cut the straws. And cut up the crack and slide it into the straw to get it into the little bottles. And we were young. We were young. Like I was young doing that. So that's the so that's the next toxic thing. And we knew special knock on the door. Like if he wasn't home and there was a special knock on the door, we knew how many knocks meant how much they wanted and we knew how much money to collect and we would just like open the door and serve. Like for real, for real. So that's the next toxic thing. I wish y'all could see Brian's face right now. <laughs> so fast forward to some more toxic stuff. So my my younger the the sister who got cut off um her mom and um the donor were, were both functioning crackheads but her mom was the one who she was the kind of crackhead would go out and like was suck dick for crack like it she would just be out there like she would even though she was with you know um the donor she would go out so there was a time when she told him that she was going to take me shopping and then she took me with her and she left me in a crack building for three days and disappeared. Like, <laughs> I got a so- story. Yeah. Yeah. And I never forgave her. The other thing too was, I think during that time, that's how she developed HIV. I think she did other things. Um, too, but she did um, develop HIV and become HIV positive, which made my donor HIV positive, right? I'm a fat, y'all stay with me a little bit. It's toxic as fuck. So he came out, he told um, our, he told my sisters and I that he was HIV positive and we were like, okay, you know, we know what that means. It is what it is, right? Fast forward to... A, a year or two later, he's dating a woman my my oldest sister's age. Like, the chick and my oldest sister the same age, right? So, he want us to be all up in her face, all buddy-buddy smiling and laughing with her and stuff like that. And I, now, mind you, by this time, I'm older. So, I'm like, yo, I was like, I, I can't be, I'm sorry, I can't be up in her face like that. I feel uncomfortable. Like, did you disclose your status to her? And he basically was like, bitch, how dare you ask me if I should disclose my status to her? So I was like, so you mean to tell me you want to be with her, not disclose your status, and then you want me to sit up in her face like shit is cool? Like, nah. And coming from a nigga who got five daughters, you should be, like, you should feel disgraced, right? That was our first fallout because he could never swallow how I get, like, he could never, ever swallow the fact that I, I, I was I, I was mature enough to have that conversation with him. I was like, yo, I don't want to be in none of these chicks face that you in. Now he did end up um getting with this other woman, didn't disclose his status, and she ended up becoming positive as well. But she stayed with him and they're married to this day. Like yeah. married to this day. And he gave it to her. Toxic. All right. We gonna continue. We're going to continue. My, um, my girls and I, my, my, my ex-husband and my daughters and I, um, went to New York. The girls will sometimes stay with their grandmother during the summer. 
Um, and so, you know, that and I could kind of get ourselves together. And, you know, we had, we were in our twenties, but we also had, um, two young girls. Our girls were 16 months apart. So he was in, we were out in the street one day with the girls. My daughters are like, probably, I want to say they're like three and four at this time. And, um, I go, we're, we're, so it's the four of us together. We go inside a store and then I forgot something. So I left the store and um, to keep the girls like calm, you know, my ex-husband took the girls outside the store and they were standing there. Now, because the girls are close in age, I always dress them in the same outfit, but they would wear a different color. And I always like kept it like, you know, their hair was always done the same, that kind of thing. And not for nothing, not just because they were my kids. They just, they were just cute, adorable little girls. Like people would stop us in the street and they'll be like, they're so cute. And then the way we had them dressed and things like that. So I went to the store and when I was walking back up towards my ex-husband and the girls, I realized that my father's girlfriend at the time was in the car. And she said, um, when she saw me, she got, she got excited. She was like, oh my gosh. She was like, Aline. She was like, I was just telling, she was like, are these your babies? And I was like, yeah, these are my daughters. And she was like, I was just telling your husband, um, that the girls are beautiful. She was like, I didn't even know they were yours. She was like, I saw two little girls and I was just commenting how beautiful they were. And I was like, oh, thank you. The donor comes walking out the store, sees me talking to his girlfriend and he get in his car and drive off. He don't greet me. He don't greet like my ex-husband and he definitely don't greet his granddaughters. So at that point, I made the decision in my life. I was like, the moment that you could walk past, I, see, I'm a different kind of person. Like I may give you some clearance if you disrespect me, but baby, when you disrespect my children, Ain't no clearance for you. There's no coming back from that. So, you know, when he walked, when he walked past yeah. them, that was it for me. I was like, I'm done. You, There's nothing that you could ever say to me again. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to hard pause right there because I forgot another toxic incident that happened before that, that he didn't get cut off for. He should have got cut off then. So, y'all know the China buses. I don't know if you know about the China buses. Like, in New York, they have what's called China buses. They're run by the Chinese or usually the Asians. And usually they leave from Chinatown, right? So, you know how every city has, like, just a dominant Chinatown. Um, So, like, say you could go from... Chinatown in Virginia to Chinatown in New York for what thirty forty dollars, like and it's like mm-hmm. you get it's almost like getting on a it's like basically the Asian like, version of the Greyhound. The Greyhound, yeah. Yes, yeah. So it's like the Asian version of the Greyhound, and what they and I'm I'm telling you, if you supposed to get somewhere in eleven hours, the China bus finna get you there in seven because they hitting them highways and they speed in and they make very little stops, right? So what I would do. <coughs> Excuse me. What I would do when I lived in Florida is I would have the girls go by China bus because it was cheaper to get to their grandmothers. So I would have my ex-husband get on the bus with the two girls, drive, um, take the bus ride there, drop the girls off, and then turn back around and come back. And we would just rent a car and go get the girls when we were coming back. So... Um, there were one, there was one year that there were a whole bunch of accidents and things like that. And the donor decides to get on the phone and he's calling, you know, my ex-husband and he's like, um, oh, there was just another bus accident, you know, today, 
Um, I don't want my grandkids getting on a bus and then there's an accident and something happens and everybody dies or whatever. Damn. I understand his concern, right? We're, we're using a method of transportation that you may feel like is not acceptable. So my ex-husband said to the donor, he was like, well, you know how um, Aline is. You know, once her mind is made up, can nobody change her mind? And he was like, oh, so you don't know how to deal with her yet? And he was like, what you talking about? And he was like, you need to whoop her ass. So he basically told my ex-husband, like, yo, she don't want to listen. You need to fuck her up. Like, yeah, that's what I was about to say, like, on some real color purple-ish. So that's how he used to get Sophia. Yo, my <laughs> That's how he used to get Sophia because it changed the navigation of my marriage because then physical abuse entered and I used to have to be in the house fighting him like a nigga, like all the time. Like, I don't know what you got going on. So all of that happened. And yes, my donor is toxic as fuck. He's cut out my life. But recently, like a few weeks ago, my sisters, my two older sisters have rekindled a bond with him and they have been rehabilitating their relationship with him. And my older sister called me and said, yo, he really wants to see you. He apologizes. He wants to talk to you. And I told him I wouldn't give him your information. I'm just coming to you and asking you how you feel about the situation. And I was like, listen, I was like, no, I'm done. And then she was like, oh, I was trying to tell him that. And she was like, I was telling him like, oh, you don't know the situation with Aline. Like, you know, sometimes she talks about stuff and she's still hurt or she's still healing. One, I'm not hurt by what he did. It's just I didn't even have like a a well-established relationship with him. That's the first thing. Second thing is all is forgiven because I know that in order to move on and be healthy and functional... I'm, I'm going to forgive, but that does not mean that I have to be comfortable or I need to be okay with being in your company. Mm-hmm. My children will never be in your company and I'm never going to be in your company and people mistake. So they feel like one. So, you know, you have the first thing where biblically they're like, you know, it says honor thy mother and father, right? But they also forget the scripture that says parents do not invoke your children into sin. It's a double fold. Don't use the scriptures. You feel like it applies because you have to take care of your children um, and make sure that you're doing right by them. The other aspect of it is the fact that while people like to say, if you um, have not, if you don't want to deal with somebody anymore, then you have not forgiven. That's BS. I forgive you for what you did because I'm walking in my healing, but I don't have to ever mess with you no more. You don't ever have to be in my space anymore for the rest of your life ever again. Yeah. And people mistake forgiveness for that. And then the other part of it is if you are in a toxic relationship, whether it be with a man, a friend, whatever, a business, we'll talk about that soon. However, whatever it is, it's okay to walk away. So at the age of 37 years old, I have finally gotten to the place in my life where um, and Jadrian could attest to this. We went out with a group of girls one time and I didn't like the vibe of one of the, the women. 
we and we were just at dinner chilling. I did not like the vibe of one of the women. So the next time we were in a group setting without the one whose vibe I didn't like, um, the one who brought her, I said to her, I said, yo, I said, no disrespect, but I'll never hang out with her again. There's nothing wrong with her. Um, I, I just realized that when she's around me, I feel a certain way. And because I'm conscious about how I feel in my emotional space, I want to keep it good. So if you invite me somewhere, don't invite her. And we had a grown woman conversation. She was like, you know what? She was like, I respect that. And I told her, I said, at my age and at this point in my life that I'm at, if you change my energy and it's not for the good, I don't want you around me. Yeah. Because I know what I'm looking for at this age. And I know the energy and the company I want to keep. So if you invoke my energy in the wrong way, I'm not doing it. And it's a swift cutoff. And it's a like, swift cutoff. It doesn't have to be any of, it doesn't have to be, we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to have a discussion. I'm sorry. Sometimes it's just not necessary. Yep. See you later. Bye. Exactly. So when my sister asked me about it, I told her, I said, it's not that I have, I'm not in my healing. I'm healed. It's not that I'm bitter. I'm not bitter. I just refuse to be in his space again. Um, my my children are my oldest daughter will be entering high school soon and neither one of my biological parents have ever kept my children where my children spent the night at their home or stayed with them for a few hours um unsupervised like without myself or my husband being there and why it's because it's a boundary that I've created so if if I'm at my mama house and I get up and I go to the store, my kids come to the store with me. Do I think my mama going to do something to them? No, I'm more concerned about what she would say to them. Um, because again, while my mother is in her healing, there's a certain, she has a certain standard of how she wants to raise children in her mind. And I buck the system every time I do intentional parenting. So for me, you know, things that she would have said to me when I was younger, I don't want my children subjected to that. So I'm going to make sure that their space is always clean. So if I get up and I go to the store, my kid's coming with me. That's it. So my children have never been at their biological grandparents' house without direct supervision, period. And they've never been, actually, they've never been in the company of my donor. Like my children um, don't know the donor because he was he was cut off when they were small. Yeah, I I got a picture of him that I'll I'll I'll, I'll I got a picture of him if they ask me like yo grandpa such and such. Good. No, I'm not talking oh, about, talking about I'm talking girls. about the kids. About yeah. Say, like don't if the kids out like that. No, not people, like that. Lord. But what I'm saying is I have a picture of him. So if the kids were to come to me and the kids were to be like hey, like, they want to know their family history or whatever. I got one little raggedy-ass photo I'm going to show them and be like, yo, this is <laughs> it. But, you know... <laughs> Brian, why you laughing at me? <laughs> as soon as he heard raggedy-ass... Picture with a, with a scratch on it. <laughs> yeah, yup. Raggedy-ass photo with that nigga on there. He probably don't look the same right now anyway, but, um... Yeah, that's that's it. That's it. Okay. It's... Yeah, yeah. I have another. There's another toxic story, but I'll tell that another time. Cause he, I, I'm talking about he marked up the book with toxicity for real. 
You crazy. I'm serious. I'm I'm so serious. And so so Brian, have you had any you say you had a good relationship with your father, but let me jump like to a friend. Have you had a toxic relationship with a male friend? Well, like a homeboy. You can't get into that because we gonna do. We gotta do. We're we're getting to toxic friendships, and you can't be you can't be jumping into that. Because um, toxic, when you talk about toxic friendships, you talking about episode two, where they got to go to conversations and situations to be Taylor, like, share, subscribe to get that. So you gonna have to ask another ep- another question or save that question for the next episode. Then I'm saving it because y'all tripping. All right, save it. Let's cap, capity cap. So that was... <laughs> That was Toxic Ships series, episode one. For episode two, make sure you go to conversations and situations. Follow B. Taylor, like, share, and subscribe. That episode is Toxic Ships series two. So real quick. Friendships. Real quick. um, B. Taylor, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people for real? Because, I mean, we introduced your podcast... But just kind of give the people a little short tidbit about yourself, um, where you're from, where you're at, you know, that kind of thing. Man, hey, so now I feel like I'm standing in front of the class with a two little shirt on. So, let me... <laughs> a two little shirt on. <laughs> your belly button showing in that shirt? <laughs> Yo, y'all play too much. Okay, so, uh, um... My podcast name is B. Taylor. My real name is Brian Taylor. I'm originally from Mississippi, but I've been in Arizona for like like eight years. Most of my following is in Arizona, so shout out to Arizona. Shout out to Phoenix. Shout out, Phoenix. We going to be up in there. And we going to bring y'all some fried chicken. And we going to bring y'all some fried chicken. <laughs> yes. So the plan is to be there for episode seven. Continue, Ryan. Uh... <laughs> And they don't have fried chicken out here, so you have to figure it out. Anyway. We gonna cook it. Boy. from New York, man. Y'all ain't frying me no chicken. Yo. Chicken. I'm about to cut this intro off, though. Second time he disrespected me in that episode. <laughs> Do you know how much shit I would get if I let somebody, fry, if I let a Yankee fry me some chicken? Even I wanna know who he calling the Yankee. Do you understand? How, like, I can't go home. Who he calling a Yankee? I, now, I was trying to give you your few little minutes to just let, let you shine No, let him minute. go. Let him go. And then you boys call me a Yankee? We got, like, six more episodes to do with him. Like, I don't even know how this is going to work after tonight. That's what we do. Because <laughs> he really just threw us under the bus. But you swear you not toxic. You I'm swear you not I'm toxic. I'm now you got me clapping. See? Mm-mm. I'm a good guy. I hear that. But, nah, I think it's dope that y'all from New York, y'all Yankees and shit, man. Shout out to New York, <laughs> Yankee baseball team. It's all love this way. So when I fry my chicken, Brian, and I'm sitting there eating it, don't ask me for a piece. You gonna share it with me because we friends. Remember like you told me, like uh, if we friends, we should be able to share food. I just have to have my own and you have your own. No, that's what you said. <laughs> Yo, 
because you see how I'm looking at I'm, you see how I'm sitting here looking at him. That's I'm what like, you say. I'm sitting here looking at him, and I'm like, when did I say that? Like, when That's did I say what that? You said. When did I say mm-hmm. that? He done mm-hmm. messed. He done. We was trying to give him a good introduction. He done messed the whole thing up. I know, but he'll be all right because that's just what it is. Y'all catch us next time. So no, yes. my you you no you my gem drop because I'm not gonna have a gem drop next week when they go to conversations and situations. That's Brian home, so we gotta well, behave. No, because since he called us Yankees, he should let us do our gem drop on the show. Okay, that's deal. <laughs> so my gem drop for tonight, gems, is if you are in a toxic situa- situation. Don't be afraid to walk away and cut it off. It doesn't make you any less than that person. Cut the cord and keep it moving, yo, because it's better to be away and be healthy than be in something and continually deal with toxicity the way Jadrian and I have had to deal with it tonight with Brian. <laughs> be sure to like, share, subscribe, besties to sisters we appreciate y'all tuning in make sure you follow for episode two bye and i'm not editing anything